Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson, live from Washington, D.C., at the open house of the Temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We're winding down our coverage uh, here at the nation's capital, at the Washington, D.C. Temple. And as we continue to look at uh, this from a historic standpoint, uh, the renovation of the Washington, D.C. Temple uh, is just absolutely spectacular. Uh, but we wanted to get a little bit of the behind the scenes in terms of what does it take to make this kind of massive project a success. And we're really thrilled to have joining us on the line today, Emily Utt, who is the historic sites curator for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, and I will make a side comment that she also gave uh, our own producer, Kelly Pierce, a tour of the Washington, D.C. Temple yesterday. And it was fabulous and high impact. Uh, Emily, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so let's let's talk about first uh, your role in uh, this whole process of this massive effort of uh, restoration of the Washington D.C. Temple. Sure. So I've been involved in uh, trying to understand the Washington D.C. Temple now for almost a decade. This is one of the great iconic historic temples of the church, and so my role has really been to help our architectural team understand what makes this building so special and then work with them on the restoration of those uh, character-defining features, those special elements of the building. Yeah, so let's start with some of those. So what were some of those that uh, you were so focused on in terms of preserving and then what were some of the things where there needed to be some change? So one of my favorite things to be involved in the restoration with was actually the stained glass windows. We have these very tall, beautiful ribbon windows on the east and west corners of the building. And after 50 years, those windows needed a little bit of attention. So we took them apart, numbered each piece of glass, all 18,562 pieces of them, rebuilt the glass matrix, and um, put new frames in and put them back on the building. So with any luck, those windows will last another 50 years. (laughs) Uh, Okay, just that part of it alone, 18,000 pieces, uh, that is just extraordinary. Uh, and I know that was just one small piece of the whole temple puzzle. What were some of the other uh, big efforts that had to be done? Yeah, the big point of the project really was updating the mechanical and electrical systems. After 50 years, this building was well-maintained but needed a little bit of attention. So we touched almost every square inch of this building. From the minute you drive in the front gate to the very top of the Angel Moroni, Every inch of this building had something done to it to make it beautiful and lasting for another generation. 
Uh, that's great. And uh, you've had the opportunity to lead uh, many of these tours uh, for those who have come here to have the doors thrown open uh, for the first time in almost 50 years. Uh, what's been the uh, experience there for you? Oh, it's been an absolutely wonderful week bringing guests in. Um, I think so many exciting things about it. What I've loved is seeing people that have driven past this building for the last 50 years on the Beltway walk in the front doors and then their eyes just get big when they see what really happens inside the building. Um, and it's also just been a pleasure even to bring people who were very familiar with the building back in and watch them see things that were very familiar but also see the excitement and joy over some of the things that have changed to improve the building. It's fun all around for all kinds of people. Yeah, and Emily, you have a unique perspective uh, as you focus on the historic sites uh, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Where does the the Washington, D.C. temple fit into that puzzle uh, in terms of the history of the church? Sure. The, we celebrate really all periods of our history. We think about um, the events that happened in the 1820s in the region that eventually when the Washington D.C. Temple was built was in that area. So the Washington D.C. Temple is really a chapter in the story of the church on the East Coast all the way back to the 19th century. Uh, I think that's such a, an interesting component in terms of that East Coast. Uh, and, of course, this really was, other than the uh, the early temples of the church, this really was the first modern temple east of the Mississippi. Uh, what are some of the other uh, components that uh, have been particularly special for you uh, as you've both gone through this process and now being able to see the finish, the finished product? Yeah, I've, I've been reminded on this temple both how monumental it is and how personal it is, that this is... Um, we, we built a monumental temple in the 1970s in a city full of monuments, in a city full of monuments to our history as a country and our history as a faith people. So it was wonderful to be involved in a project on that aspect. But I also love just how personal and intimate this temple feels. It's a big building, but it's all of these little small spaces and small rooms and full of personal stories. I love being involved on the project and knowing the names and the faces of those that restored the windows or repaired the baptismal font and made the building beautiful. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I love the old saying that uh, we shape our buildings and that our buildings shape us. How has the Washington DC temple shaped this area, uh, both members and non-members alike? Oh, yeah. So for the last um, 50 years, this has been the temple for any member of our faith who lived east of the Mississippi River or South America. So if you lived in St. Louis, Missouri in 1980, this was your temple. And so even in my own family, there are people who attended this temple, worshipped here, um, were present at the dedication all the way back in the 70s. And so it has shaped my family but it's also shaped this community. I, I, I hear a lot that the Washington, D.C. temple is their building. It's their local building. Um, even the neighbors get a little bit protective of it. Years ago, when we were restoring the Angel Moroni statue, one of the neighbors walked by very concerned to make sure that the angel was going to go back on the building. And he just loves <laughs> it, and it's his temple as much. Oh, I love it.
love that. Uh, the connection to community has really been extraordinary to watch uh, here in D.C. this week. Uh, they are the neighbors are protective and they are uh, it is theirs. And, and I, I love that component to it. Uh, final question for you, Emily, and I've been asking this of all of our guests this week out here in Washington, D.C., uh, often when we talk about this particular open house, it uh, really has been an invitation to come and see. And I always love to pair that with the the next verse of Scripture, which says, then we need to go and tell. Uh, and so what, what do you hope people have seen when they've come here? And more importantly, what do you hope those who have been here, uh, what do you hope they go and tell after experiencing the Washington, D.C. temple? So one of my favorite paintings in this temple is just as you are leaving the building on your way back out. And this painting is titled All Were Healed. And as I've been giving tours and talking to the people this week, I've been asking them that they have come to a place and hopefully entrance into a sacred space, into a temple has provided some healing. But that it's also a charge that as we go out And as we leave something divine, that we should find someone who needs it. We should find someone who needs healed. So it's an invitation to come and see and participate. But even more, it's an invitation to take a little bit of heaven with you and take a little bit of holiness out and go into the world and find peace. Uh, Fantastic. Emily uh, is the Historic Sites Curator for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, Emily, thank you so much for your perspective uh, on this historic project, this uh, restoration and renovation of the Washington, D.C. Temple. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. All right. uh, Again, great perspective from Emily. She is uh, brilliant uh, in her knowledge of all the history and all of the components is, is so extraordinary. Uh, And so as we wrap up our coverage here today in our nation's capital, uh, and as we look at the historic Washington, D.C. Temple Open House, you know, we've talked to uh, Ambassador uh, to Turkey, uh, Jeff Flake, and his perspective uh, on all of this, uh, members of the Senate who came in a bipartisan way yesterday. Uh, There'll be other members of Congress that will be visiting in the days ahead. uh, And all are coming to see, and uh, you've had people from different faith traditions and from uh, all walks of life that will go through these doors. Uh, And I do like to go back to this quote from Winston Churchill, that we shape our buildings and then our buildings shape us. And so much of the principles, the values, the character traits that matter uh, are contained in our buildings. And the Washington, D.C. Temple is clearly one of those for the members of the Church of Jesus Christ and for all who are in the community in our nation's capital. Thanks for joining us on this special edition of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I'm Boyd Matheson. And as always, as you go out into the world today, see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. Utah's choice for 100 years. O.J. Simpson driving a white Ford Bronco. Arnie Clark chose life, the artificial heart beating in his chest. I'm Barack Hussein Obama. Do solemnly swear. We're the station for breaking news, traffic and weather together, and conversation about important stories. KSL FM Midvale. KSL Salt Lake City. Thank you for 100 years of trust. KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.